The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. How much guidance is available to us from the other side, and how do we get access to it? Do we gain in wisdom once we cross over? Or are our spirits on the other side actually channelers themselves, simply channeling the love of God? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today is Stephanie Banks, and prior to Stephanie's near-death experience, she says she led a life directed in modern-day terms that lacked depth and clarity. And following her encounter with death, her life transformed to that of an awakened soul. She is now dedicated to mastering this wisdom and writing candidly about it, all that she learns through the process. Her connection to the non-physical realm and her book, A Soulful Awakening, have offered guidance and transformation to those who seek insight into our existence. Stephanie attended the University of Western Ontario and is currently enrolled in a master's class of spiritual enlightenment. She lives with her family in British Columbia, Canada. Stephanie, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to spend my morning with you. Well, I, I wish we had the whole morning. Uh, what, one thing I often hear from the listeners is they'd like to have a, a longer show than half an hour, but I think we managed to cram quite a bit into that. Um, Stephanie, tell us um, about your uh, your experience that caused this transformation. Okay, well, I, I go into um, great detail in my book, A Soulful, for short on time here. I'll uh, just give you the long and, and short of it, but if anyone's interested in reading the full version, the blood and gut, so to speak, then they can definitely um, read that in the book. But ultimately, I was on a mountain biking trip with my partner and my son in Whistler, British Columbia. And as most of us know, it's a pretty big mountain range, very unforgiving. And it was our last day and uh, partway through our last day. And I made an assumption, which um, led me to misjudge my surroundings and I collided with a rock wall, um, face first, bike first, wrist first, the whole nine yards, and then fell into a rocky gully below. And um, I don't have any immediate um, recollection of the experience that happened to me in those moments that I was lying in the gully, but um, it later came to my attention through my recovery that I actually reunited with one of my guardians and was shown in totality um, my physical and non-physical aspects of my life. Basically, I was shown my, my life and what I had in store for it. And I chose not to see too much of the other side as I didn't want to be, um, I didn't want to see too much because I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to come back and uh, live my life uh, from a different perspective, and that perspective being to come back and, and raise awareness uh, to as many people as I could and share the knowing that I was shared with, that we are all being supported by our non-physical guides and teachers at, at, at every moment of every day, and to help people see that within themselves they hold the power to transform their own lives 
into their highest desires. And um, before this crash, before the mountain biking accident, I I didn't have a connection with the non-physical realm. Or if I did, I, I had no idea that I did. And it took this accident and this traumatic experience to catapult me into another um, way of life and another existence. Mm. Catapult is probably a good choice of words, having read the description of your accident. Uh, you noticed, I gather from, from your book, that, uh, or perhaps this was the first clue that when you decided to keep a journal, that you found yourself writing in your mother's uh, printing. And I was wondering sure. if, you, if you felt this was, uh, your introduction to the other side was through through your mother and was this what people call automatic writing Mm -hmm, exactly which i had never heard of before like i said i was sort of living a what you would term i suppose uh, a normal life get up and go to work and you know play here and there and um that kind of thing but i definitely wasn't involved in any spiritual practices and uh, i had never heard of automatic writing um i'd obviously heard of channeling but i didn't pay much attention to it and it was on my second day of recovery um that i was uh, sitting on my deck and well first of all when i left the hospital in whistler i had a cast on each arm uh as well as many other injuries um but i had convinced the doctor in the casting room to pick the arm with the least amount of damage and cast it but then cut it and hold the cast on with a tensor bandage so that if I went into some kind of panic mode for being confined to two casts, I could get it off easily. So this is what I did, and luckily it was my right arm. So on my second day of, of recovering here at home, I was really at a loss of what to do. I was feeling pretty depressed, and I had bruised my ego for making such a silly mistake. And I sat down and decided that maybe I would write and but I didn't know what to write about. And as I was sitting there uh, contemplating what to write, all of a sudden I realized that I had already been writing for quite some time, and I just continued to write without any real um, thought process. I, I wasn't stopping and thinking as you do when, when you write, and it just flowed so effortlessly and easily. And then when it ended, there was my mom's signature at the bottom. So I flipped back through the previous pages and realized that the printing was her printing from when she was alive. She died in 1996, so when I was 24, I lost my mom, and, and her printing was very distinct, as are most of our penmanship. And as I went back and read this message, there was so many concepts in there that I'd, I had never contemplated before. She was talking about the fact that we're in the heat of powerful times, and things are changing, and we're going through a spiritual evolution, and my my door had been closed, but now it was open to the other side, and I'd been, giving, been given numerous opportunities for this to happen throughout the course of my life, only I had not recognized them, and it took something a little bit bigger and a little bit sharper. So from there, I, I was obviously pretty shocked and surprised, and I, I didn't know what was happening, but I did wake up every morning after that with this incredible urge to write, and I just couldn't stop. I was writing and writing and writing and writing and, and getting messages from different guides and different teachers and protectors and each one of them had their own unique style of, of writing, their own unique um, way of expressing themselves and every time I received messages from these guides, their, their writing or their printing would be the same as 
when it came to at a, a previous time, if, if you understand what I'm saying. So, and then for myself, I had to really start to, I, I needed confirmation, like where are these coming from and who are these guides? And but these messages are so profound and so amazing and beautifully written that I, I couldn't stop uh, myself from doing this. And, and one of the things that really resonated with me was a lot of these, um, guys, or quite a few of them anyway, have the most beautiful writing. And when I was a young child, we moved from British Columbia to Ontario, and during that move, there was a gap in the educational system. So when I left BC, I hadn't learned how to handwrite cursive writing. I'd only learned how to print. When I got to Ontario, they had already done this. So I don't write. I can, but it's very messy, and I choose not to do it. Yet when I'm channeling some of these guides, their handwriting is the most beautiful handwriting I've ever seen. Now, <clears throat> the um, message you got from your mother, did it reflect uh, information or a way she might have talked to you uh, when she was still alive? Mm-hmm. It did. <clears throat> it, it, For example, it started out with um, the nickname that, that she referred to me as. And uh, and her way of speaking was quite similar. She talked about my brother. She talked about my father, who I didn't know very well. And I'm, I find when I do messages or readings for other people, one of the things that is really affirmed with me, um, these messages and where they're coming from and the truth that lies within them, is that there's always um, aspects of those messages that reflect that person's life and resonate with them and hold true to where that message is coming from. Mm. Did, did Has anyone ever explained to you from the other side why your accident opened this window? Um, it was part of my, my master plan, apparently. This is what I was told uh, from, from my guide, Ruby. What ended up happening was I didn't have a, re, uh, a, a concrete memory of the experience of, and I still don't, of leaving my body and experiencing my life as I did with my guide, my guardian, and my other guides. But once the channel, once I started channeling as much as I was, um, a friend of ours who is very much into the um, spiritual movement and energy work, that kind of thing invited us up to his office, and we did a live channeling, so to speak, verbal. And it was in this channeling session that uh, I was told about my death and my experience with Ruby. And then I later on asked for a channeled written message on on that. And I, I do have a little excerpt here if you want me to read it. It's pretty short. Sure. So that That'd be great. Okay. Um Dear child, you were engaged with Source through a direct channel, and from this vantage point, you saw your eternal life as well as your human life. You did not hesitate to reinstate with your physical body. You interpreted your accident as you had formally designed yourself to, as a recollection to all that is through trauma. Trauma is a tool designed by the collective consciousness of life on Earth. This tool, trauma, is used when the soul yearns and aches to reconnect with source energy. In your particular experience, you requested a wake-up call at this stage in your life had you not awoken yet. This is common and a common and frequent method used by humans 
you and I glided through yourself and all existence as your physical body embedded itself in the gully momentarily. Although the time frame seems short in linear time, this experience we shared is endless. You ask to see the others who guide you daily, and together we witnessed your soul reignite and reunite with all. You chose to experience life through your direct line and made a conscious decision to assist others in the same way. This was your driving force that catapulted you back to earthly reality. You chose not to see or experience too much as you did not want to consider your choice. Mm. And you know, as a chaplain in the hospital, I, I encounter so many people who've had uh, uh, traumas or diseases uh, of a, you know, of a serious nature uh, who've never had a wake-up call. <laughs> in in fact, they're they're asking God, why did why is that? You know, why did this happen to me? Um, do you think in the time period before we're born, we have to specifically request uh, a wake-up call, a near-death experience, or something uh, uh, akin to what you've gone through? That's a tough question, and it's one that I, I don't know if I have a solid answer to. My feeling is that we do pre-design our path, and from what I was told in regards to my own life, that is what happened. I asked for a wake-up call if I hadn't awoken yet. That's not to say that that's how everybody would design their path. Maybe other people design their path in such a way that they they don't wake up completely, or maybe not at that particular stage in their life, or they've missed their wake-up calls. I, I'm not, I, I wish I had a clearer answer to that, and as I continue to channel and continue to go deeper and deeper, maybe I'll, I'll have a better explanation for that. <clears throat> that might be something you would be worth asking, uh, asking your, your uh, contacts on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. Your mother said at one point that you're a child of the universe. Um, did she um, mean that of you specifically, or was she, do you think she was talking generally about all of us? Oh, she was definitely talking about all of us generally. In that particular message, she was talking to me specifically, but that applies to all of us. You, you have to remember that when this happened to me, I had a very uh, different way of looking at, at the world not that I didn't believe in something bigger and I wasn't asking the same fundamental questions that a lot of us do from time to time. Why am I here? What is my purpose? These kinds of things. But I really uh, was new to all these concepts and all these ideas. So although this awakening happened abruptly, the introductions were pretty subtle and uh, and I was offered this information quite gently. And then as time progressed, they became bigger and more prominent, and and the, the purpose of my life became much more clear. She also said to you to uh, treasure each breath, and I thought uh, I, it sounds to me as if the souls on the other side are uh, see life as a very valuable thing that we're going through here as a as a either as a learning experience or as a a way to. Um, uh, gosh, uh, help one another, I guess, is the is the phrase I'm looking for. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and I talk about this a lot in A Social Awakening, and, and the whole, the biggest point of the book is to 
help people shift and transform. And, and it seems to be doing this. Like I'm receiving messages and emails from so many people saying that just within, you know, it's a very short book, 200 pages approximately. It's shifting people's awareness into recognizing that, that we, we are all one. We're not disconnected. We, we tend to live in this society where we feel like we need to be independent and do everything for ourselves and not ask for help or not give help. And obviously this doesn't apply to everybody, but generally speaking, whereas really when we're doing that, we're, when we're severing ourselves from each other, we're severing our, our own roots and we need to come back to this place where we remember that we're all connected and we're all moving in the same direction and we may be on our individual paths while we do that, but if we really truly begin to live our life through compassion and understanding and through love, as opposed to fear, which sometimes dominates our emotions, and then when we become fearful, we become restricted and we create resistance and we start to manipulate and control and all these negative emotions. And the biggest messages that are coming through from all these guides is, to come back to our roots and to remember who we are and to realign with our authentic self and be who we want to be, be who we feel we are. And we've become really disconnected from ourselves in so many ways and then consequently disconnected from one another. Part of your uh, book describes a, a tough time you had in a, in a Christian boarding school where, in, in fact, at one, mo- <clears throat> one point they... Uh, insist that you uh, that I guess the players on the in the team all announce that they love Jesus, which of course is a good thing unless you're forced into it. In which case, it becomes the very opposite of what it's intended to uh, to mean. Um, do you think that was a setback for you uh, spiritually? Um, well, I think at the time. It was a setback, I think, in the long haul, because of, of my personality and, and perhaps the way I was brought up, I came through that relatively unscathed, but it, it had a huge impact on many people. It's, you know, that school is now part of one of the largest class action suits in Canadian history. Mm. And this it, it doesn't just apply to religion, it applies to everything. It could apply to what I'm doing or to what you're doing, if you try to force something down somebody's throat, they're automatically going to, to um, feel resistance to that because we're supposed to be free. We're, we need to make our own choices. We need to live through our own experiences, not through other people's. And, and this is also very prominent in my book is to start examining your own belief systems and the way you're choosing to live your life. Our, are you living the life the way you want to live your life, or are you living the life the way somebody has previously encouraged you to or dictated that you do? And the problem with this particular school that I went to was that if we didn't live the way we were supposed to behind those walls, then we were punished for that. And and this is a paradigm that I think is beginning to shift and change, and humans don't learn this way. They may cooperate to a certain degree out of fear, but that's teaching through fear. And what I'm proposing we do is learn to teach through uh, through love as opposed to those old tactics that I think are beginning to fade away. I hope I hope they, they are. <clears throat> Another incident in your book, you describe a lecture you went to where 
apparently a fundamentalist Christian was uh, saying that channeling was, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a scheme of the devil, I suppose, to um, and uh, something that we should avoid at all costs. Um, do you think that the motivation for fundamental Christians to say that is based in any way on reality? Uh, an experience of uh, reported bad experiences with ghosts or with bad information from the other side, or is it just uh, prejudice on their part? I think it's. Um, I think it, it that might be an individual question, depending on on who it is that that's feeling that way. It does seem to be um, and cumbersome of a lot of religions to, to feel that channeling or um, any form of you know tea leaves that kind of thing for whatever reason is. Uh, I'm trying to think of a word that wouldn't offend anybody, but I guess not so cool. <laughs> Uh, I I think oftentimes it comes down to ego or it could come down to just old belief systems carrying through. At some point, somewhere down the line, some religious figure decided that channeling wasn't for the average person that was um, sort of restricted to people who were, were more enlightened, so to speak. But this is another thing I'm really trying to emphasize is that we are all God. We all have it within us to find all the answers to everything that we're looking for. We just need to find a way to tap into that. And we need to start recognizing our own value and also recognizing the fact that this other realm really does, in fact, exist. And from a religious point of view, I think those old systems are also starting to die to a certain degree and it's becoming more and more acceptable as we're awakening spiritually and moving forward in this evolution to let go of these old belief systems and become more accepting of the new ones. Mm. This is a little off the point, but you're uh, <clears throat> you're involved in a landscaping business, right? And I was wondering if uh, from before to after your uh, accident, you felt more in tune or in touch with nature uh, as a result? Well, I, I think I've always been really in touch with nature, but I've just become more in tune in general, overall, and I definitely find that if I'm feeling scattered or ungrounded, agitated, irritable, those kinds of things which we all experience, uh, it's best for me to get out into nature, and one of the the aspects of my career as a as a landscape owner and also working in the field is that I have that opportunity. So, I really encourage people that are looking to develop a stronger connection with either their higher self or source connection, whatever you want to call it, to get out into nature. And you know, one of the things I've always done that people sometimes laugh at me for in a in a nice hmm. way. Is I, I talk to plants and I talk to trees and I'm always picking up stones and everything has energy. Everything, with, you know, when you're dealing with plants and animals and, and nature, there's such unconditional love that emanates from from plants and trees. And I encourage everybody to get out there and and absorb that. One of your contacts, uh, Solomon, I believe, said the times are changing. I think maybe drew this uh, 
comparison of our society to uh, what happens to the culture in moldy yogurt as it deteriorates. And I thought to myself that, I mean, because of the double meaning of culture, that was a that was a, a clever turn of phrase. But also, have you been getting that impression generally that um, that things are coming to a crisis point in this in this world? Well, I I I'm a firm believer that we can focus on the negative aspects of what's going on, or we can focus on the positive. I sort of screen to a certain degree. The negative, I know that it's there. I know that there's a bit of a, an uprising in many parts of the world. and um, But I'm really just trying to stay focused on staying on the hamster wheel of positivity as opposed to getting caught up in the negative one. On the other hand, I will make this comment that as we are shifting and as we're becoming more aware and awakened and more and more of us are hopping on the positive hamster wheel, Mm-hmm. the negativity will um, start to rise as well. We live in a world of duality, and it's unavoidable that this is going to happen. Everything is kind of coming to a head. The short-term effects of that may not be so pleasant, but as a whole, um, as a collective consciousness, this is necessary. And overall, I say that everything is positive. It's moving in the right direction. We've crossed the threshold where we were slightly more negative to slightly more positive. And the focus of, of what I'm doing by writing about it in a social awakening or future books to come or workshops, meditations, these radio interviews is to encourage people to, um, to come out and to, if they feel so inclined to encourage growth in other people and together we can become stronger and and really start to shift the world as a whole. Hmm. <clears throat> I wouldn't ask this question normally, but since you you live uh, where you do, um, the the issue of uh, piping the tar sands oil from Canada through this country has become a, a a big crisis issue for us. And I was wondering what what's the attitude generally in in Canada, and especially in that part of Canada, about the kind of pollution that this might uh, create? Well, again, I think that's pretty specific to individuals, the people that I choose to spend my time with and um, discuss topics such as this are opposed to the pipelines, especially BC. We don't, we don't have a whole lot of benefits, so to speak, in my opinion, um, from the oil coming from Alberta and straight through our back door. It's not something that I believe is a good thing for the environment in any way. And um, there's, a, you know, mines popping up here and there and, and everywhere. And I, I think it that, too, is going to slowly start to change. But before that can happen, we have to shift our consciousness and we have to shift our awareness and we have to look at the way we're living and, and stand up for ourselves and, and rather than you know talking about it behind closed doors, there's things that that we can do, and people we can talk to, and letters we can write, and petitions we can sign, and all those kinds of stuff. So um, I think we become complacent at times. And really, what I'm trying to advocate is find yourself, be authentic, do the things that make you feel good, and when you do that, you'll become more aligned with yourself. Mm-hmm. I believe one of the messages you received was uh, removal of economics will bring fully enlightened liberation to us all. 
And I thought that was a, a, a beautiful way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- now that we're running out of time, Stephanie, uh, tell the folks how uh, they can get your book, how they can get in touch with you if they want to, and um, and so forth. Sure, I'd be happy to. My website is stephaniebanks.org. Um, from there, I do uh, I do readings for people and, and messages if anyone's interested. I found that people have uh, huge awakenings just from one message that they may receive. My book is also available at Balboa Press for any Americans out there. Um, it is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and and the big sites as well. And I am on Facebook, Stephanie Banks, and there's numerous ways you can find me. I'm I'm I love. I love the emails. I love the questions. I'm I'm there for anyone who has anything to to ask me. And the same with if you read the book and you have some questions, please feel free to email me. Well, that's wonderful. Well, our thanks today to uh, Stephanie Banks for um, this edition of IANS NDE Radio. Uh, for more information about IANS, our services and news about near-death experience, please go to our website at iands.org and join us next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.